Heavenly Father, just thank you for being here this morning. I think, Lord, of many of us. This is the last place we would have been found years ago in our life. And so, Lord, thank you for just working in our heart and soul, each one here, that we're all dead. We're all we're dead in our trespasses and sins. We were all enemies of God. We were all dead. And yet, Lord, you made us alive. And so help us this morning, Lord, just nourish our soul that we would honor and glorify you and just so desire to worship you. Thank you, Lord, for just your word that is our guide in life. And pray, Father, that it would penetrate every heart and soul here, that we would be attentive hearers and faithful doers. Thank you, Lord, for just your many blessings upon us every day. Let us sing from our heart and worship you from the very depths of our soul. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, as I was preparing for this, Christ the Lamb, I'm going to take you to an Old Testament passage. And it reminds me how patient God is with us. When you look back at the very beginning of Exodus, and you think of the patience of God just with the, really the Egyptians, even within the plagues that came, the the patience that was there, he didn't bring the worst of the plagues at first, but yet he he was very patient in what, in what he did, and he just kept bringing different plagues. wasn't the end of life plagues, but it was a hindrance to definitely show that I am God and there is no other. When you had the water turned to blood, you had, you had the frogs, you had the gnats, you had the flies, you had the livestock being killed, the boils, the hail, the plagues, or I mean the, uh, the gnats, the locusts. All these things that happened, but yet you get to a point where there was there had been nine plagues. There was ten altogether, but you think of the nine plagues. And the ninth plague we will read about here in, in Exodus chapter 10, about the darkness over the land. The ninth plague was the one where there was darkness. And I'm going to read from Exodus chapter 10, verses 21 and 23. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the sky, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the sons of Israel had light. In their dwellings. Now we've all been in places where it's been really dark. Have you ever been out in the woods at night when there's been no moonlight or no starlight and you turn your flashlight off, you can't see in front of your hand, or whether you've ever been swimming in a river and you dive down, you, you can't see your hand even in front of you because of the murky water, or maybe you in your bedroom dark at night, very dark. It we've all been that, but Think of what he's saying here. The darkness was so heavy that it could be felt. And you know, that's where we are in life before we come to Christ. The the darkness, we may not realize it, but there's such darkness there that sometimes the Lord brings those down to the very pits where they feel that darkness. And yet in reality, we all need to be brought to the fact that 
we need a Savior. So you think of this penetrating darkness, so deep, so felt. And not only that, it was for three days. Does that remind you of anything? Christ being in the tomb for three days and resurrecting? And yet, what was it for the Israelites? They had light. They had light in their dwellings. Amazing. It kind of reminded me of something from the book of John. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We see that darkness oppresses us. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. It's it's such a sinful darkness that you can't even think straight. We think we're thinking straight, but we're not. We're, we're in that darkness. We're in that realm of being an enemy of God. And when you thought maybe that it couldn't get any worse from the nine plagues and the darkness coming over the earth, you get the tenth plague, the tenth and final plague. In Exodus chapter 11, Moses tells the Pharaoh what's going to happen. And the Pharaoh sends him away. And then you get to Exodus Exodus 12, and God instructs the Israelites, here's what's going to happen. Exodus chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. It is to be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, they are each one to take a lamb for themselves. According to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of persons in them, according to what each man should eat, you are to divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Moreover, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house in which they are to eat it. They shall eat the flesh that same night, roasted with fire, and they shall eat it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled at all with water, but rather roasted with fire, both its head and its legs along with its entrails. And you shall not leave any of it over until morning, but whatever is left it until morning, you shall burn it with fire. Now you shall eat in this manner with your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will go through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses. Where you live and where I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. He tells them that there's going to be a memorial. And you know, I think, That's something like we're doing today, celebrating communion. There's a memorial service today. There's a memorial service commemorating the blood of the Lamb. 
commemorating what God has done for us, just like he told Israel to do. Don't forget, you're to continue to do this, and remember why you're continuing to do this. And then you get to verses 28 and 30, where it talks about what actually happened. Then the sons of Israel went and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Now it came about at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the cattle. Pharaoh rose in the night, and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was no home where there was not someone dead. Think about that. Not a home where someone wasn't dead. As if as if the first nine plagues wasn't enough, now God brings the tenth plague to show all the gods of Egypt, all the people of Egypt, I am the Lord. Think of what we just read through about the plagues and you know how God was really patient with Egypt even through the plagues and how patient God's been with each one of us. How we've been in those dark days how we've been in those dark times, how we've been in the darkness of sin and willingly chose to be within that darkness of sin. But then came the blood. Then came the blood. Now there's probably more, a lot more, that could be taken from these passages. But there are four things that I think we really could take away as parallels to what we're going to celebrate today. First of all, a substitutionary death. In the Old Testament, this was passing over. It was the great act of God's salvation to Israel. In it and through it, God taught his people a very vital principle that God saves by substitution. Not our good works, not anything that we could do, but by substitution, a perfect lamb without blemish and without spot. He saved these people because animals were sacrificed in place of them, just like Christ was sacrificed in place of us. And there was death everywhere, as we read. There was either a son had died, a firstborn had died, a lamb had died. Something had to die. God's people, like us, deserve death for our sin. But because they trusted in the sacrifice of another, a substitute, as God had commanded and that God had even provided, they were delivered. Secondly, we often forget the Israelites were slaves. 400 and some years they had been slaves. But now they were set free. That's us. Slaves to sin, but God set us free through the blood of the Lamb. No longer in bondage. I think there's a New Testament passage that tells you, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. No longer enslaved. Third, no judgment. They didn't have the judgment upon them of the plagues upon the darkness, upon the firstborn, because the blood showed that the substitute had paid the price by putting it on the doorpost 
and meant that the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come in and strike you down. He who has the Son has eternal life. He who had the blood on the doorpost did not see death in that house. And fourth, in order to escape the judgment, you had to do it God's way. It was God's way, not man's way. You had to do it God's way. And isn't that the way of salvation for us nowadays? It has to be done God's way, not our way. And so what does that tell us as we sum this up? I'm going to sum it up with a few verses from Revelation. This is God's word speaking to us. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And finally, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So remember, this was a memorial. That's what he told Israel. And remember, this is a memorial this morning. Don't take it in just a routine manner. But think about the blood that was shed, and if you put your faith in Christ, you can think, stamped on my forehead, redeemed.